Michael is a product manager for Azima DLI, a fluke reliability company. He manages hardware platforms and integrations, diagnostic software and AI tools, and user portal deliverables and business metrics. Michael's background is in Navy nuclear engineering, but has been working in vibration for over 30 years and managing key accounts, technical support, customer training, and product management for Azima DLI since 1995. All right, you're here for confidence rating, trust your repair action recommendations. Michael, take it away. Great, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Very much appreciated and welcome to everybody uh, today. Um, yeah, as, um, as stated, so we're gonna be talking about uh, confidence scoring in, um, in your actionable diagnostics. So a little bit of a background behind Azima DLI. Uh, we are all about an AI-enabled automated diagnostic solution or software uh, arm of Fluke Reliability and uh, how we do uh, vibration analysis. Uh, and we provide uh, diagnostic services. And when you get a diagnostic repair uh, recommendation, uh, there's a lot of automation that happens behind it. So this presentation is really kind of focused on the how do you understand the confidence behind those recommendations? Uh, how do you gain confidence in those recommendations? Uh, and then how do you manage those, those kind of those next steps? I will go ahead and skip this slide since I've already been introduced. But yeah, this is me, I'm um, Michael D. Maria. Um, I've had many roles uh, since 1995. So I've um, been in an engineering lead. I've managed one of our largest uh, contracts, the uh, US Navy Aircraft Carrier Program for a number of years. Um, I've been in head of our support department, I've been the head of training, and for about the last seven or eight years now, uh, I've been uh, head of our product management. And product is, uh, we do both um, software, hardware, uh, mobile applications, services, uh, automation tooling, and then our delivery mechanism through, through a portal. So if you are, um, new to Azima DLI and how we fit in with Fluke Reliability, I kind of put us here, kind of in the middle between uh, all of our hardware uh, that we, we um, gets built by uh, Proof Technic uh, and our execution, which is eMate. So where we kind of fit in is in the path of, uh, you have a lot of data that you're capturing. There needs to be, um, a management of how you handle that data, what you do with that data. Uh, um, and then now that you have a result from that data, uh, how do you execute upon those kind of those work orders to correct machine problems? And then it just kind of feeds right back again into the loop of capturing more data to validate repairs uh, and the like. If you're new to Azima DLI just in general, uh, we have kind of a very long history. Uh, we began in 1966 uh, as DLI Engineering, hence the DLI and Azima DLI. And a lot of the technology, the techniques, the processes that we've done uh, since the beginning are still used and applied today, where we have established a way that we handle uh, the management of vibration analysis um, by developing techniques and tools that are very simple to use by technicians and operators 
and being able to deliver the data to an analyst uh, remotely, wherever they happen to be. It's kind of steepened the history that we started with our, our military contracts, like the US Navy, that uh, needed to have a, a simple device on board um, for the technicians and operators to use, but still be able to give them um, immediate actions for what might be happening with their machinery. So they, they can uh, secure it if necessary, or put it in limited use, or start ordering parts, uh, start preparing for um, the progression of faults on their machines. A goal being is whether or not they, uh, you can extend the life of those assets to make it into kind of the next repair uh, period of time. But fundamental to this is the fact that those technicians and operators are not seasoned vibration analysts. So the tooling that we've developed in that time uh, was to create methodology for how data gets handled and analyzed uh, through automation and diagnostic software, just like a human would do, but be able to then transmit that data to an analyst wherever they happen to be in the world. And that really works to, in today's models where we have a lot of larger corporations, enterprises that really are putting a lot of focus on the health of machinery and needing to have centralized kind of programs uh, that uh, can deliver uh, diagnostic results to uh, the whoever's going to be doing uh, the analysis. The Azima part of Azima DLI came about in uh, about 2007. And what Azima did was understand that the, the fundamentals of vibration analysis, predictive maintenance as a whole, needed to be up-leveled within an organization to have visibility and transparency to what's happening in uh, in the maintenance department as how it impacts um, production, what are the risks, what type of um, situations do we have that we might have to remedy from a business perspective. So it takes us from being a tool in the toolbox of the maintenance department and then exposes it to how it's going to uh, impact risks. So what is, how do you convert the squiggly lines of vibration analysis into dollar signs of business metrics. <clears throat> so the Azima side started as um, as the services of what we what we do. So taking the technology that we've uh, been using that's been proven to find early faults, uh, the automation of our software to be able to do this at scale and deliver it consistently uh, across uh, specifically enterprise size uh, companies. So where you have central management that's trying to balance a lot of a lot of um, reporting and technologies that are being used at each different plant, standardizing that into a way that makes sense from a business perspective. Uh, around 2019, we uh, were owned by Symphony AI, an AI company that really kind of understood that uh, what Azima DLI had to offer was beyond just the uh, services and the technology of what we did, but all along this time, uh, Azima has been uh, storing a tremendous volume of data. Uh, we have named information, we have 100 trillion data points of data that represents uh, patterns, how faults develop, named machine types, all tagged information, human commentary. 
it is a wealth of, of data that drives the AI technology that we use uh, today. How do we um, how do we scale uh, rapidly for customers? How do we get things uh, find the value immediately? How do you turn around an ROI quickly? How do you understand nuances of faults uh, rapidly? So this is where the AI uh, really started uh, transitioning for uh, what we do at, um, as a technology company. In uh, 2023, uh, we are acquired by uh, Fluke Reliability, uh, which then really kind of bridges those three arms that I was talking about. How do we take the hardware uh, components that are really uh, robust and world-class from Trupectnic, uh, combine our software and services and deliver that through uh, eMate as a world-class execution and platform. Diving in uh, just a little bit further, uh, just to quickly um, give you a sense of what is our solution from Azima DLI. So it starts with a myriad of uh, data sources. We have uh, wireless devices, we have online systems, portable systems, integrated systems. And it's about not necessarily the source of the data. Data is data, it's what you do with that data that really kind of matters. Uh, and for us, it's about delivering that data through a diagnostic engine, an ability to be able to screen through volumes of data and deliver a plain language, prioritized, actionable repair recommendation. Now, one of the key things about this is that we have a variety of data sources that all use the exact same platform. Uh, and I think that's key, especially today, as plants are um, migrating away from the manual process of collecting data. And in, in lieu of that, placing wireless devices or permanently installed online systems on their assets. Plants run leaner, plants are running more around the clock, uh, there's a lot of data that is being gathered within a plant, and vibration is just one of those. So how do you then take all these uh, disparaged systems and be able to balance that with what's really kind of going on? So one of the values of what we do here is being able to take um, data from a variety of ways that you acquire it and use the same application stack. So a a moderate fault uh, from a wireless system equals the same diagnostic as a moderate fault from a portable system, an online system. You can balance then an understanding about where the risks are um, from any kind of data acquisition source. The back end of our system is this massive data lake uh, where we have trained patterns uh, for our diagnostic engine to use those pattern recognitions to identify uh, emerging uh, emerging to prioritized faults, to see things in the very, very early stages uh, and then uh, trend those, those unique faults. They're component level faults. It's not a matter of being able to just say something's wrong with um, a machine and go and troubleshoot or investigate, but it's defining very specifically uh, what is wrong with the machine. And it's graduated on five levels from healthy machines to 
uh, very slight emerging faults that are markers for an analyst to start developing a trend to emerging faults that uh, an RE might want to start planning for, uh, start ordering uh, parts, start preparing for what needs to be done, start understanding the root causes of what's happening, uh, to priority uh, actions, things that will uh, transpire and propagate within weeks to months uh, or from days to weeks. So what do I need to take care of uh, right now? The value of this is really to um, make the analytical team highly efficient, to automate the majority of data that goes through the system, and then only require a human to look at that data on the exceptions where you have some sort of priority action that uh, just needs validation before repair is done, or whenever there's something that might be just uh, out of the blue or amiss that you just need a human to, to confirm what's going on. So of this is a tremendous amount of automation that delivers uh, results to, a, to whoever want, needs to consume those within a plant. All the key uh, stakeholders within an organization has visibility to what's going on. So a lot of automation here. And this is, becomes kind of the, the fundamental point of today's webinar. So I receive a diagnostic recommendation and it's being handled through a very automated process. So how well can I trust that, that diagnostic result? So there's two things that we will talk about um, today. So one is this confidence scoring, as the title indicated. Uh, and the second one is a little bit more about the services that run behind our system. So we have a, a services department that is able to be able to scale uh, a plant application. And it's a, a, a various range of how we're gonna handle that. Anywhere from uh, coaching a team and getting a system set up to be able to have your diagnostic staff uh, manage the, the usage of this automated diagnostic software uh, to uh, doing uh, services or analysis on the exceptions where you just need a second opinion. Uh, majority of our customers do a um, exception uh, reporting where we uh, will only look at faults that have some sort of priority action. So healthy machines fully get automated. Uh, the ability to ask uh, a seasoned analyst as a second opinion is something might start to progress. But if any time a machine has some sort of priority fault, uh, most of our customers have our service uh, teams jump in and look at that data very specifically. Uh, and again, there's a lot of automation that happens uh, behind that, especially as we get into uh, the volumes of data that we're getting from wireless and online systems. Um, and then there's, a, some, there's many customers that just have us look at every set of data. Anytime data comes into our system, we have a, uh, an analyst team that is very efficient at looking at uh, volumes of data using our, our AI-enabled tooling. Uh, and then the final step here is there is program management that comes with our uh, Watchman services. So again, higher up within the organization, how do I understand what I'm really kind of looking at when it comes to a very technical thing like predictive maintenance and vibration analysis? and translate that into uh, business speak to understand 
what are my risks? What are my bad actors? Where are my blind spots? What is my compliance? Things that are more uh, business driven to understand uh, where uh, my risk might be within a plan. Okay, so that's our intro. Thank you for bearing with me on that one. Let's get into the agenda for today, which is really uh, how do I leverage uh, the data that I have to really improve the accuracy of my diagnostic system and then deliver to me uh, the confidence understanding about what it is that we need to do. And admit, again, we're in a new era here with uh, automations and autonomy within uh, predictive maintenance. Uh, in this vibration world, we are gathering more data than ever. Uh, wireless sensors on machines, uh, automating kind of that status of the machinery. Uh, and for us, it's around keeping that at a very high level, not simplifying the vibration to just um, wave, a, wave a flag that says something might be wrong, but it's about applying that full technology on par with what you would get from an advanced portable system or an advanced online system with volumes of data from say wireless sensors. So we wanna be able to capture data just like we would from our um, from a walk-around device that's giving you a lot of detail, uh, but be able to automate that because we're now getting data uh, daily or more as opposed to monthly or, or less. So again, we're really focused here on the automated diagnostics. So we're gonna cover the automated diagnostic system, how that really kind of works. Uh, what are kind of the contributing factors to fault detection? How do we improve upon the automation and how do we deliver that uh, through uh, confidence? So our automated diagnostic system is really about uh, trained pattern recognition. So it is a very advanced system that we've been developing for about 30 years. And it has a data lake, as I mentioned, of about 100 trillion uh, data points. Uh, it is about being able to uh, take the data from the vibration data that's being captured on an entire machine train, uh, but then break that apart and to understand how does every peak relate to another peak. Uh, the way that I generally try to illustrate this is we really take an understanding of what is uh, normal and healthy uh, based on what we know about machineries in general from our trained data lake, uh, and then fine tune that with the actual data that's being captured from your machinery and be able to break that apart, find any deviation as slight as it might be that deviates from uh, normal and healthy. And then what the diagnostic templates do is that it tries to make comparisons. How does every peak relate to every other peak? Not just things that might be happening on the driver, say a motor, but how do those vibration peaks on the motor relate to deviations of normal and healthy that are across the coupling or on the pump? How does the vibration all how do all these patterns uh, make sense from a diagnostic pers perspective? So there are about 6,000 trained diagnostic rules, 6,000 templates that will take that data and run it through a variety of pattern recognition scenarios to come up with a fault. And there's about 1,200 fault conditions that the software is capable of identifying. And that's across the majority of all your machine trains. 
uh, we've now upped this to 50. So this slide I see is already out of date. Uh, so about 50 different machine component types are already pre-trained within the system. So that's majority of all what's common across uh, most plants. So this is our, our templates that we define. When we build our diagnostic software, we build what has become a, a representation of your machine, uh, your machine type. Now, if you have a, a number of the exact same machines, uh, we can leverage that template. We build one that represents all machines that are the same make and model used for the same person. If you have a pump room that has six pumps that are all the same, then uh, we would build one template that we can then leverage to uh, use against all those machines. So the, the, the speed of which we can bring a new plant up is very quick. And if you're an enterprise uh, company that has a lot of plants that are all very similar, then the, the uh, turnaround time to success is, is very small. We can leverage one plant uh, to build the second, third, et cetera. Also from a business perspective, it gives you a sense of where are your bad actors or your where are the things that you might want to improve upon and really kind of focus your in-house uh, vibration experts into improving upon your process as opposed to the mundane of just getting through volumes of data in analysis. The diagnostic result that comes out of this is effectively the sum of all of those components. So we then use those patterns to identify what might be happening uh, and then our diagnostic rules to be able to put that all together into coming up with a plain language um, standardized report. So if I have uh, data that's coming in that is uh, from a variety of different sources, I can normalize that to understand the same level of priority and action across any type of machine. So I can balance everything uh, as a um, as a plant manager or the like, uh, it's prioritized. So these are the machines from let's say 100 machines that I have in a plant. These are the ones that I really need to focus on. The ones that have a mandatory or a, an important recommendation, a serious fault or an extreme fault that I need to take care of first, and then eventually look at all the other data that might be coming in from healthy machines. It's built on, as I said, a, a representation of what is normal and, half, and, half, and healthy of a machine, a statistical average baseline representation. And we start with that data lake of knowledge to give you a starting point out of the box with our diagnostic software. And then it can be fine-tuned to be very specific and highly accurate uh, based on your exact information. So the real benefits here are our ability to get through volumes of data. Um, the push as much data as you want through the diagnostic engine uh, that's going to uh, handle all of this um, um, rough analysis of what's going on on a machine and deliver a recommendation. Because we know what's normal and healthy, we have a very high uh, accuracy rate in identifying machines that are, are, are normal and healthy. And if we are going to fail uh, one way or the other, we would want to fail as a false positive as opposed to a false negative. Anything that um, we identify 
that might be amiss would be overstated as opposed to understated. So when a, this diagnostic system comes back that we have something that is a healthy machine, the confidence of that is incredibly high. If we have a, a fault that comes back as a serious um, as a serious fault, like the serious angular misalignment, then the confidence is still high, but it might be overstated. We'd rather overstate a fault as opposed to understate a fault. But in either case, this allows us to set up an analyst to be able to scrub through this data rather quickly. Okay, so this is um, this is a snapshot of uh, where we are uh, with uh, kind of the sense of uh, the, the amount of data that gets through our system. So as the data is uh, going through our, our diagnostic process, uh, going through those those rules and coming up with a fault, uh, there is a a sense of whether or not this is an accurate system or not. And in any case, in any situation, any any diagnostic software that you have out there, there's always going to be cases of um, where data is just might be out of the blue or a fluke or a wrong set of uh, parameters were used during the capture or the like. So there's no system out there is uh, 100% accurate 100% of the time that can be 100% automated. You should always expect that in a diagnostic uh, process for vibration analysis, there should always be within your uh, your workflow some means to have a human uh, step in and be able to look at the data to steer the course. Uh, the way that I would illustrate this is you wouldn't want to take down a multi-million dollar machine that's going to cost the plant uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in lost production without ever having a human look at the data that might be driving what, what machine is, is failing. So this is the case. So we have a lot of automation that's pushing data through our system. There's a lot of automation that delivers those types of results. And we wanna be able to understand what is our, our confidence in that. Um, this is an example of, um, some of those numbers in in reality. This is a first six months review, a brand new program. Uh, there was a number of machines that were a part of our services program. Uh, so about 12,000 machine tests that were captured in the first six months of, of a program. And you can see how automated the diagnostic system is. So 86% of all those machines are just handled through automation where data comes in, it is handled through uh, our automation process and it's then delivered to uh, the customer. About 14% of the machines have a step where there's a, a manual intervention where an analyst will step in, look at the data to validate uh, what might be going wrong. And about 0.3% of those, 39 of those uh, 12,000 machine tests uh, required a, a uh, de-escalation of it, where the system overstated a fault. So still machine has a fault. The, the um, diagnostic software was a little too conservative and decided to overstate it, where an analyst uh, looked at that data, steered the course, and then manually de-escalated it. So from the sense of a false uh, positive, it's true. 
but in the sense of the eyes of the customer, this is this this is why you have a analyst involved in the in the process. So the result that's delivered is accurate, um, and the um, what is perceived is the actual fault that needs to be done balanced out. So this is again where those 0.3% you would want to have an understanding of confidence. Um, as, as well as the 86% that's just being given to you as uh, something uh, happening on the machine. From a perspective of between healthy machines, you see majority of the machines are already healthy. So that makes up a good percentage of that 86% that's just automated. Uh, and healthy could be things that um, also include a very early, early stage of a fault, a very slight uh, fault that's that is uh, developing that will be um, that will be analyzed at some point as a as an emerging fault. Uh, there are about 13% of the machines are emergent, where um, no action is necessarily needed, uh, but it could be if the timing is right or the machine condition dictates. But otherwise, it is a progression of a fault that you should just at least know what's happening to be able to plan for that repair. Uh, understand how to move production around if necessary, uh, whether or not you're gonna make it to your next uh, outage as planned, uh, or what you need to do to uh, extend the operation cycle of those machines, uh, what parts need to be ordered, how do you prepare the maintenance team to be able to take down the machine, repair it, and then bring it back up and validate those um, the success of that repair uh, through more data. And then about 3% of those machines break down into uh, faults that are emerging, uh, that have transitioned into a priority action, either something that is serious that will last weeks, maybe months before it escalates into a mandatory action, which is an extreme fault that will last generally between days and weeks before uh, you have some sort of catastrophic event. Okay, so what a customer sees is a result. So data comes through our system, it gets automated, and then it gets delivered with, here's the identified fault that needs to be uh, uh, corrected, and this is the corrected action. It has a severity for the fault, it has a priority for uh, the action. It includes the ability to look at data to kind of see what the, the evidence for these faults, if so desired, as comments by an analyst, if an analyst is involved. And then if an analyst does look at this as opposed to being handled purely through automation, you'll see an analyst name uh, presented. But these two fields are what's been relatively new. The ability to understand the confidence of this fault and the material that goes in behind the scenes to uh, have a successful automated diagnostic system. So confidence here is a um, just a rating that we're confident in the result uh, or we have low confidence in, in the result. And the completion profile is that rules template that I was showing earlier. How much information do we know about the machine to be able to get diagnostics uh, accurately or even at all uh, for a machine? So if I don't understand um, 
how many teeth are on a gear, as an example, it becomes very difficult for me to automate a diagnostic software to be able to look for fault patterns that represent gear mesh, as an example. So here is uh, some examples of how this kind of works in our system. Uh, this is what an analyst sees using the diagnostic software. So every time data goes through the system, it is apparent to an analyst uh, what is the confidence level and what is the missing information. So here uh, we can see that there is a, um, a completion score about what is uh, set up and what's missing uh, in the system. And it is showing us that we have um, a diagnostic confidence that's low because we're missing a key information uh, to, to boost up that confidence. So the action of an analyst at this point would be to interpret this as I have a step in order to see if I can use the data that I've captured to fill in some of those gaps or better yet, use some of the AI tooling uh, that we have in order to run this system uh, to um, fill in those gaps automatically for us. Here's an example of data that's come through the system that has an, a misdiagnosed uh, fault. And so we can see here that the confidence score is presented as low. And the reason being is because we're just kind of lacking the an information about the number of motor rotor bars on this on this particular machine so as a result of this the system doesn't know how to analyze for an electrical fault it doesn't have the electrical component that generates vibration patterns that represents a, a variety of electrical issues so as a result of that the diagnostic system sees all those those vibration patterns as potentially a bearing issue on the motor as opposed to an electrical issue on the motor. So this is a, a case where uh, if no analyst is involved to look at this and a repair action is conducted, you're repairing the wrong component on the machine. Uh, and so we present that to our, our customers that our confidence currently is low in what's happening here. So the customer can then steer the course on what they want to do next. Uh, well, maybe before I do an action to, to replace this bearing, I should get a second opinion from an analyst to look at this data to see um, if it is right or, or wrong. The process in getting this set up is, is pretty straightforward. This is our, our kind of our flow for our diagnostic system. It's about gathering asset details that will drive those rules uh, and the templates. Uh, we install sensors or pads on how we are gonna capture the data and configure that. And then we start a somewhat learning process for, for the system. What can we gain from um, the AI uh, tooling? Uh, what can we gain from uh, the data that we're actually capturing um, and what gaps are kind of missing? So there's a lot of automated features here when it gets through the software that we can kind of fill in those gaps. So for our analysts, we have tools to uh, try to use the data that you've captured uh, and compare that to what we have as an understanding from our database, uh, our data lake, and then build a more uh, 
better a better representation of what is normal and healthy for your exact machines. We have automated tooling that will try to fill in those gaps. How many can we look at the data and use a, an AI tool to understand how many how many bars on your motor rotor so we don't have that uh, missing gap? How can we fill in the information to use uh, automation? And then the result being is that we can use a present a confidence score of what, how confident we are in the diagnostics that we make. And we can use something called a persistence logic. So if we think about how the volumes of data that come through our system, uh, once you do find a fault, the next day when more data comes in, very likely that that fault still exists. So as I mentioned earlier, our, our services are usually tasked with always looking at any fault that is a priority action. You wouldn't want to repair a machine without having an analyst look at a priority, uh, the data from a priority action. But how many times do you need to have an analyst do that? So once we've pushed data through our system and a fault gets identified and an analyst has looked at that fault, what persistence logic would do combined with the confidence is to be able to automate that next set of data that comes in, look at what was the fault before, what was the analyst's uh, correct, correction, if there was any, what are the comments that were made by an analyst uh, to drive the, um, the decisions from the plant, and be persistent in that logic. To further automate the ability for an analyst to get through volumes of data, even when the faults get identified on the machine. So the output of this is to uh, deliver those, re those results in our workflow, uh, get an analyst that's assigned to, uh, to look at that per some service level agreement, so how soon you need to turn that around, and then deliver those actions uh, to any decision maker that needs to be a part of that system. Okay, so the question usually then becomes, what do I need in order to really have diagnostic confidence? So I'm setting up a program. I'm gonna use your automated diagnostic system. Uh, I'm gonna use your, your services to manage this kind of the workflow. What is it that I need to do is the, from the plant to be able to have a high level of confidence in my diagnostics? There's fundamentally three things that need to come uh, from the plant. The first one is really the information about uh, the machinery. And this is where we would generally work with the plant to try to fill in uh, some gaps. So uh, if we can't identify uh, key components through our AI tooling or from looking manually looking at the data, then it might be where we work with the plant to get some technical specifications about machinery to kind of fill in those gaps. How many blades on the fan, how many teeth on a gear, how many veins on a pump, bars on a motor, type of couplings, all kinds of things that help us uh, fill in unknown parameters about uh, machinery. The second one is really about the vibration setup itself. What can we do in order to ensure that we're getting the right data out of the, your source of acquisition? So a good example here is if you have a wireless sensor on a machine that is operating at uh, frequencies that are outside the range of what that sensor can accommodate. 
so we see this in a lot of different cases that the F max of a wireless sensor isn't capable of identifying uh, or I even seen vibration from very high speed uh, compressors or gear meshes or or the like. So you're just blind to those uh, those faults. Uh, so it's not a sense of how we've set up the machine. It's a sense of what are the uh, parameters in order for us to be able to capture that data and then steering the course. Maybe these are machines that you can accept that uh, those failures are not well known. Or uh, maybe there's a different technology that's needed in order to ensure that you have confidence in the results that are coming out. And then the third one here is that comparison. What is normal and healthy? Are we, do we have enough data to be able to, to generate an understanding about uh, what is our comparison for that pattern recognition? I mean, out of a fault, there's a couple things that can be used in order to uh, help steer the course here. So one being uh, other uh, contributing factors. So diagnostics say that you have a serious bearing failure, um, and out of out of context, it might not be necessarily um, uh, true. If there's no other evidence of that. So as an example, machines normal and healthy, and then all of a sudden one set of data says I have a fault without any other justifications for it. So other contributing factors can be applied to help steer that confidence, such as maybe the machine's uh, hot to touch, maybe it's making loud noises. There's other things that can be used in order to understand, yes, this is truly a fault, or maybe it's just a parameter that was that's incorrect in the capture. And then finally is the trend. So again, is this a fault that's been trending over time that is a logical understanding of the progression, so high confidence, or is this something that just occurred um, randomly that needs to have somebody maybe take a second look at what might be going on? So to complete that, that score uh, and get a higher confidence, there's a couple things that we do. Uh, one is we really kind of evaluate um, the criteria for the components. So if I say that I have a AC motor as part of my machine train, then our system knows there's fundamental frequencies that are necessary for us to fully diagnose those machines. So we, we can run that through kind of an AI tool to kind of fill those gaps. If I say that we have uh, a, a centrifugal pump, then it knows that there should be bearings, it knows that there should be an impeller, there should be a vein pass frequency. And again, we can use our AI tooling in order to kind of fill those, fill those gaps. Um, we can use a tooling in order to build a better baseline representation of that normal and healthy. So out of the box, we have a train starting point but nothing beats the exact actual data that comes from a machine. So we can leverage that kind of that knowledge that we're gaining from that from your machine data in order to kind of build that confidence scoring. And the system will identify that. When you see the confidence scoring, it will give an indication if you are lacking enough representation of normal and healthy, a, a statistical average baseline that represents your machinery. 
The last thing that we do from a services perspective is then we lock this whole thing down. It's called a certified uh, machine identifier, an MID. So we've done our initial setup. We validated as much as we can about the machine. We used as much tooling as we could in order to fill in those gaps. We present that as we go every time data comes from our system. We fine tune this as best we can every time data comes through our system. And then once we're confident with our setup, we can certify it. We lock it down so there's no changes that are made and automation can then just really kind of flow through the system uh, quite, uh, quite regularly. A couple things to point out here uh, pretty quickly is that I keep talking about a statistical average baseline. It should be noted here that we don't use band alarms in the way that we do analysis. We take a, a narrow band representation of what is a, a normal and healthy vibration pattern. So from this, every little nuanced uh, vibration peak can be identified. And that's what the software will end up uh, ultimately doing is uh, understanding everything that deviates as as minute as it might be and uh, running that through how can that pattern be generated what could it be coming from and what kind of uh, mitigating actions do you need to take um the last thing here uh, about our automation is as i've mentioned there's a couple things that that we do uh, we have ai tooling that really kind of builds that machine a baseline that representation and then we have a lot of tooling that we use to really you do as much unmanned analysis as possible again keeping that utilization rate uh, incredibly high pushing as much data through the system uh, as possible uh, to be able to handle that volume of data that plants are now uh, gathering for their machines uh, but presenting that in a way that you understand what's going on and what are your next steps uh, I mentioned that there's some feedback that you can do within uh, the platform. Uh, these are things like contributing factors, understanding the trends. Uh, in our portal systems, there's ways to be able to add in. Uh, we have a work order in place. This was the root cause. This is our finding. This is what we felt the, the priority was for the action or what the risk is to production. There's ways to add in information to help understand those types of business metrics that need to be higher up within an organization okay last thing here uh, and then i'll wrap up for questions is just uh, to talk a little bit about uh, the services that we offer uh, behind our system so again as i mentioned majority of our customers um, do this at scale with a lot of data uh, and with a lot of data usually requires for a plant to operate with a lot of staff on hand. And in today's environment, that's not uh, easy to achieve. So we have a very highly utilized uh, diagnostic team that can handle volumes of data and has all these AI tooling in order to be able to get through uh, data at scale. Uh, we have things like the persistence logic and AI tools to be able to fill in gaps uh, and handle those kind of the volumetric analysis delivered again through uh, confidence scoring um, with feedback loops, KPIs and metrics to help a business uh, and deliver those with results such as the bad actors, key saves, ROIs and, and the like. Uh, in our 2023 numbers, you can see that uh, we've handled about um, 
500, over 560,000 machine tests over the course of the year. And from an automations perspective, that's about 70% of all the data that we get through our system is, is very much automated. Uh, so with that comes this understanding that since data is becoming automated, how do I understand that? And how do I understand the confidence in those results? So our summary here is that in order to build confidence, we need to understand the criteria that defines the fault, so ensure that we have a complete uh, profile of the machine and fill in those gaps uh, where they might lack, establish that proper baseline representation of normal and healthy, and all of this, again, can be automated through the system. And then we present those results with an understanding about where those gaps are or how uh, close you are to understanding um, the completion, uh, be able to certify those setups, and then what is the confidence of the faults that you're that you're getting. So that's that's it for my presentation today. I certainly left some time here for questions uh, if you have them. So uh, Robin, are there any questions? We do have some questions, and some of the questions you actually answered. So I have lined through them as as they were being answered. Um, but there are two that I'm not at least one that I'm not sure that we covered, and another one that may need a little additional clarification. Uh, sure. There was a question um, that are the baseline templates in the system are they industry specific? Uh, no, they are asset uh, focused, not industry focused. So um, we don't really, we do support a variety of industries and we have a lot of experience in uh, a number of industries. Um, I mean, we have a diagnostic software that's kind of universally neutral across various industries. There are a, a couple of examples I think that we could kind of point out. Um, as an example, one area that we get a lot of questions from are mines where there might be, say, rock crushers. It's a very niche industry. So that's something that isn't necessarily a rule that we might have today, but we own all of this technology. So it's easy for us to adapt and add things that might be industry specific like that uh, by uh, gathering enough data and developing new rules that would be able to support it. As you saw in my, I, I had made a correct, I stated that there was a correction in one of my slides where I had indicated 40 uh, component types. But if you're keen to notice it, later on I had listed that there are uh, 50 component types. And that's an example of where we have, uh, over the course of the last few years, added new machine uh, components to our library to cater to more specific uh, industry needs. But from our perspective, we look at this more from assets as opposed to industries. So it's a, it's a really interesting question. If there's uh, kind of an industry you're specifically looking at, please do feel free uh, to reach out to me uh, and like to learn more uh, about what your needs are. Thank you. And then I have a question. Do, does this AE program work with the Proof Thicknick hardware? Uh, yeah, EA, uh, Expert Alert uh, here. Um, our, we are new to joining uh, Fluke Reliability, and uh, it is in our 
um, uh, roadmap to integrate the proof technique hardware. So it is, of course, the where we see you know the value of fluke reliability is the data that comes from proof technique being able to use the diagnostic software from Azima again deliver that through maintenance through eMain. Uh, either any of those can currently operate very independently, and we do expect that still will kind of generally be the case. Uh, but we do want the proof technique hardware coming in through EA. Our first um, usage of that is with VidGuard uh, systems. So if you have that online system, we see that as um, one of the bigger challenges that a lot of our customers uh, have, where you have volumes of data from these online systems that really need to have this diagnostic software. So this is what's uh, currently uh, available is uh, proof technique VibGuards, VibGuards. Uh, and then what will be coming uh, next would be uh, Vibe Scanners, Vibe Expert, uh, to be able to use the same kind of technology. So yes, uh, great question. That is certainly where we are headed. All right, and that's all our questions for today. Thank you, Michael, for an amazing presentation.